Pastor Freddie T here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You guys, we recorded it in the afternoon, and Jonathan and I were both awake and a little looser than usual. We've got a special guest uh, who preached this past Sunday, and uh, we have the best time interviewing Alex Morris. So crank the volume, carve out some space. You're going to enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. JB. Morning, Fred. It's oh, afternoon. wow. Look at that. I said good morning, Fred. It's afternoon, dog. It is. We, as some people know, Tuesday we usually record afternoon. on Tuesdays, but it's usually early in the morning. Seven. It's not too early. Yes. But we are doing it in the afternoon on Tuesday. How's your day been? My day has been uh, full of talking a lot, and I don't usually have to talk a lot. I've had a very busy. Back-to-back. So how was today different? Why was it? Different? Uh, Why did you talk a lot? Well, tell I had to it. talk. I didn't get to get to want to talk today. So, um, all right, give me get thirty seconds. Tell us what you did. Like, what were you talking about? Uh, so I've hired a new legal assistant. So we're going back to basics of legal stuff. What we do here at Vincent Law, and um, so basics of secure transactions. I can tell you that if you like. Then I had a real estate company that wanted me to give a lunch and learn. And I realized they didn't want me to give a lunch and learn. The broker probably wanted to do that. And so I had to talk to six people about stuff. I don't know if that's what they wanted me to talk about. But anyway, uh, and then I went into it right to another meeting after that. And then here I am yeah. for another meeting with uh, talking. Thanks for jumping on in the uh, afternoon, man. Oh, no, I'm looking forward to it today. I'm really I, excited. I get to go to lunch with a pastor from Cuba today. Jim Waldron. Had Carlos. A, yeah, did you meet Carlos Sunday? I met Carlos. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He, you know, he's like he's like uh, like thirty nine or forty years old, forty one. He looks twenty. I was about to say, I don't remember. Th- I would never thought he would have been forty. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. But he's here for a month or two or three. Isn't he? Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what Jim he's going to be in Florida for. Yeah, maybe a month. Yeah, he'll be in Florida for. Yeah, weeks. Jim. I walked in um, to the to the forum to see Alex before he preached and Jim stopped me. I got to meet Carlos. I appreciate Jim doing that. Jim's such a great support. I had a closing last week that knew Jim Waldron very well and just spoke the world of how great he is. And he also preached it real life. A while you, back. Did you ever know Levi Lowry? Uh, mm-hmm. Levi was the son of Scott Lowry and Scott was the, uh, uh, the, the pastor at the first Nazarene church. And Levi grew up in my neighborhood and dated my sister a little bit. He was two years older than me. He was a big soccer player. Okay. So Timmy would know, would know Levi. Anyways, crazy because Carlos knows Levi. <laughs> something happened where Levi came on a mission trip and partnered with them or something like that. And so when Carlos posted something on his Facebook page Sunday morning about being at real life, Levi was chiming in, Hey, I know that guy. Anyways, well, good. So, um, Gosh, you weren't there Sunday. We missed you, Fred. I Thanks, want you to know man. that. We Thanks, really did. Man. You always kind of just make the room just bounce. Oh, brighten up. That. You always just have the right things to say. And um, you're but very, you're very we, kind, brother. We had a great, great preacher on Sunday morning. Um, but before we get into all that, Hollister, Hollister, Missouri. Yeah. I thought 
when I talked to you Sunday afternoon, it was like two hours away. Fred, <laughs> how far away is it? It's a seven-hour drive, man. Seven hours. Yeah. So, I, you know, uh, I, I, pri- I probably would have committed to going anyways <laughs> had I known how far you didn't the drive it. You it didn't weigh it before, did I had you? no <laughs> idea how far it was. And um, anyways, Joe, it's a really great story. So, For uh, those that don't know, he's about to give the history of how Hollister, yeah. real-life Hollister, began. That's right. Great story. That's right. Jody Kilburn was the pastor at First Baptist Church, Woodlawn, Tennessee, for about 10 years. And um, he and his wife, Perry, led that great church. And then he pivoted over to become the director of missions for the Christian County Baptist Association. And he did that for a couple of years or a few years, And uh, but he had that burning to be a part of, to be pastoring again and just through some, you know, the providence of God, some relationship connections that opened up, he and a buddy began to pray about planting a church somewhere. And long story short, uh, some folks asked them to consider replanting a church in Hollister, Missouri, which is really in Branson. It's really like across the river from Branson. And I'd never been to Branson before. Um, and uh, anyways... So they talked and prayed and sensed the Lord leading them to replant this church. So it's basically going into a, a dying church and, you know, kind of pushing the pause button, pushing the reset button, and almost relaunching it like a church plant. But you've got lots of assets from the existing church. You've got a core group of people from the existing church and all of that. Um, so anyways, uh, they did this in, the, in partnership with the North American Mission Board, but we had the great privilege of being their mother church, their sending church. They came to us and said, we want to be a, a real life, a real life church. And uh, we said, well, that sounds awesome. And they said, we would, we want to use your systems and use your branding. And we want to be real life, Hollister. And core values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so the, I, I can't remember if they use all of our core values, but they definitely use some of them. And, you know, they have a few things that are unique to them, but... You know, like our first step is the seven-minute party. Well, they have the seven-minute party. And at the end of the service, we, you know, use our mantra, keep it real, keep it Jesus. And they do the same thing. And um, it was really cool. So the whole Wyatt family, all six of us, drove to Hollister, Missouri. And uh, on Saturday night, I trained their small group leaders. And then on Sunday morning, I preached. And um, it was really it was really cool because you drive up to this building and you got a sign out front. It's it's real life Hollister, you know, in our branding. So I just love, you know, from from the start, like our vision has been to be a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. And, you know, the thing about vision is that it's, you know, vision can be grandiose, you know, and it can be like all about you and it can be like unrealistic. Um, or vision can be humble in such a way that you say, well, this is our vision, but it's really not going to happen unless God does it. And so it's a fine balance, right, of, of striking a big vision that's humble, but that's not grandiose, right? Anyway, so we wanted to be a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. And to God's glory, here comes Jody and, and Perry, and they're like, hey, we want to we want to multiply out of real life and be, you know, so be real life Hollister. So driving up, seeing all the real life Hollister stuff at their building, it was so cool, man. And, um, and uh, Madison Kilburn, now Madison Hart, married Cody Hart. Cody served on our security team at Real Life Sango. And Madison, Maddie, served on our worship team. 
And Jody Kilburn, the lead pastor of Real Life Hollister, is her dad. And so um, they weren't thinking God was going to lead them to go partner with the work, but he did. So we sent Maddie and Cody up to be a part of that work. And uh, it was a great time. It was good family time. It was refreshing to get away, even though it was a seven hours both ways in the car. Um, we did a little, you know, a few of the little Branson things. Kids rode the go-karts. A couple of the kids did the, like, bungee thing. Lily and Elliot did the bungee thing where they fly up in the air and it swings them around, you know. Um, it was good, good time, good time. But it's awesome to see God's work advance and um, excited to cheer them on. Uh, we, we, su- we support them financially. I want to encourage all our podcast listeners today to pray for Real Life Hollister. They... Um, Shortly after they got there, the core was about 20 people. And they've in less than a year, they've seen it grow to 100 people. Um, so it's pretty awesome. In a town of 4,500 people. So 100 people in a town of 4,500 people. And Branson is just 15,000 people. So Hollister, 4,500. Branson across the water, you know, 15,000. So God's doing a good work there. Thank you, Real Life, for investing in the mission. That's great, great. Um, and <clears throat> all that was great, but you didn't tell me you were leaving, and so my feelings were hurt. Yeah, all right, we're moving on from that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad that you're back in town. I'm glad y'all uh, got to see what Real Life Sango has been working on and developing, what God's been doing with it, and it is great that it is a, one more time, a flourish, flourishing. We want to... Jonathan, I will pray for you. It's not a, it's not a, it's our not a core is, value. Uh, so don't you? That's vision. a vision. So you got to teach me on the well, vision. Jonathan, now. it's the second <laughs> giant banner, life-size words on the banner before you walk into the Madison room. Don't says, make me snort this. Yeah, we want to, we want to be a, a, a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. There you go. There's yeah. a lot to learn. Yeah. I got a lot to learn. Anyway, we're glad you're back, Fred, and I'm so glad we're on the podcast today. I am too, man. Um, we've got a guest today. For those who are like, I'm so tired of hearing JV and Fred talk back and forth for an hour at a time, we have a, a little bit of light shining today. We have a guest, and so this guest is real special. Um, if you were there Sunday, you probably heard him talk on the stage. He also is leading a group, hopefully a large group, but we'll take whatever group to London this July. And we're just so excited to have Alex Morris with us today. Alex, what's up, brother? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Good to have you. We're going to dig into your life and we're going to dig into your sermon in just a minute, right when we come back. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym, right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at real life this Sunday. Who knows? maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. So text that friend today. And we're back. Alex Morris. So we were, um, I got a text Friday from Fred that you were going to be preaching um, on Sunday. So we uh, we ran over there as early as I could. That's 8 o'clock. Uh, Pat Pierce would not think that's early for the loading team, but I was there at 8 o'clock wanting to talk to you and pray over you and was completely challenged and inspired by 
your word from the sacred scriptures, as Fred says. And uh, so I'm looking forward. I don't know. I know very little about Alex, Fred. Yeah, yeah. So Alex, I'm looking forward to this today. Well, Alex uh, and Nicole been coming to real life for a while. And um, Alex, we want to learn more about you because you've just stepped into a volunteer role as yes. our missions pastor. So thank <clears throat> you for being willing to lead the coordination of what God is doing as we step into envisioning yeah. missions flowing out of real life. Um, where were you, where are you born? Where are you from? I am born and raised in Clarksville. I'm, I'm a homegrown, uh, kind of fellow. I was born on, uh, the other side of the river, Cunningham, uh, went to central, uh, high school and graduated from there. My dad went there. Uh, my mom went to Clarksville high. So go Wildcats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my, uh, my whole family's basically from the Clarksville area. Um, and, and Clarksville's great and everything, but, uh, I decided for college I wanted to get away a little bit, so I went to Murray for a little while and then uh, had to come back home and finish up some schooling in order for do, uh, to get licensed in engineering. And so that's, uh, that's been the path I've been on, and it's been great, but it's, uh, you know, home is where family is, and family's big for me, so yeah. Brothers and sisters? I got one sister. Her name's Charlie. She's married uh, to Cody Covington. They have three boys, uh, Connor, Caden, and Carson. It's an alliteration uh, for you, Fred. Yeah, it gets a little tongue twisting during yeah, Christmas, yeah, but so you went to Montgomery Central. You called it Central. Yes, is that what you guys call it on the other side of the river? Pretty much. Really, it's the only high school over there. So Central. You be, Central. you just call it Central. Yeah, Jonathan, didn't you call it Montgomery Central growing up? I called it both. Yes, yeah, so we played really? you called in it Central. middle school when basketball. We'd play Central a lot, so okay. we'd always call it. Central. We would just call it Montgomery Central. Call it Central. Yeah, There's so. lots to say with Montgomery and Central. A church planter buddy moved to town, and he's working with the wrestling team out there, and he kept calling it Central. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey man, it's Montgomery Central. Well, look at you, how smart you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so why an engineer? Growing up, I was always uh, into building things. I did the blocks and and all that stuff. And uh, as a matter of fact, when I was like. 10, I told my mom and dad, I said, hey, I want to be an engineer. And they're like, that's really good. They make really good money. At 10, you said you wanted to be an engineer? I did, but I meant like on a train. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, how did you know what an engineer was? (laughs) So that's what I meant. And I was like, cool, I get to ride trains and like make a lot of money. (laughs) Too much Thomas uh, in your your cartoon. uh, Right. (laughs) Uh, But as I grew up, I I realized that math and science were things I enjoyed doing uh, and was pretty good at it. I understood it. It made sense, and then I had a couple of people in my life that, uh, Glenn Abernathy and, and men like that, who had designed several schools and churches in this town, uh, they were engineers, and they recognized that in me, and so they really uh, fostered that and, and spoke to that, and so they recommended I try something like that. And you so played was, football too, didn't you? Played football, and I wrestled at Central. So, so math and science in football. Yes. Look at you breaking the mold. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Can I ask when you graduated? Because I don't. Two thousand three. Okay. Okay. Class two thousand three. Way younger than this old man. Did you like Murray? I did. Uh, I didn't know much. Um, pretty much the first one from my immediate family to go to college. I had some cousins and stuff, but uh, didn't really know anything other than I didn't really want to do it at home. I wanted to have my own experience, my own time away from from mom and dad, make some mistakes, and have to clean up after myself if I did. And Knowing that they were close enough, I could still go home if I had to. Alex, what, when was the earliest recollection, as you look back on your journey, mm-hmm. when do you think the first time you heard and clearly understood the gospel was? Oh, I can't say really in its entirety. I I, I was I 
I prayed my prayer of salvation when I was very young, seven years old. Um, and at the time, I knew basic concepts like I want to be in heaven. I want to be with my family. Um, and I knew there was good and there was bad. There was sin. There was Jesus and salvation. I understood some of the basics. But to really, for those things to really start taking root in my heart, uh, it probably came in college. Uh, when I, I got away from home, I got away from mom and dad, I started experiencing some more of the world and started realizing that what I thought I knew, I didn't really know, and I was very arrogant in my faith, uh, kind of the log in my eye versus the speck in everyone else's eye. Uh, and I had some humbling experiences that really brought me to my knees in a place of brokenness, and that's where I started to begin to realize just the significance of my relationship with Jesus and how all this time I've, I've had it, but I haven't invested in it. I hadn't really fostered it or had it grow or anything. And so uh, um, once those experiences started happening, I thought, you know, I, I really need to take that seriously. Where did you hear the gospel when you were a kid? My mother. She made it She made it a, a point to know uh, Bible uh, stories. Yeah. When we would go to bed, me and my sister, every morning we had a devotional and she would do that. She put a concentrated effort into making sure me and my sister knew who Jesus is, was, what he did for us, yes. um, and, and then all the other players in the Bible, the, the, you know, the Daniels, the Davids, the yeah. Abrahams. And so uh, she was very, very consistent with that. And, uh, and I can honestly say I don't know if I'd be half where I am had, I, had that not been in my life. Yeah, when you talked about those experiences of brokenness, what, do you, what can you share with us about those things? How, how did the Lord break you? What... what what might somebody be encouraged to hear from your journey? Well, I mean, going into college, I was I was seventeen because uh, my birthday's in September, so it's kind of that line of do I wait a year, or do I go ahead and move forward? And uh, because I was doing well in school, they they kept pushing me forward, uh, and and I had this attitude of well, I've never I've never done this, I've never tried that, I've never drank that, I've never done this, and so I had this in my mind a, a clean record, you know, of of, of I'm I'm quote unquote spotless. And as I got into college and I, I gave in to peer pressure on some things, partying, stuff like that, um, I began to realize, like, um, all my records, all my clean streaks <laughs> are going away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, I would make excuses in my mind of, of, well, that didn't really count because it was not hardcore or it wasn't extreme or I didn't get arrested for it, so it's not that big a deal. Uh, but there were there were some things that after I had a moment to – just be by myself, it, it really settled in that uh, I'm not a saint, but I've been trying to put myself as a saint, and that's why I really wasn't investing in my relationship with Jesus because in my mind I didn't need him. Yeah. Like he was there, and I knew he was there, but like yeah. I'm good. I'm, I was yeah. batting a thousand. So, uh, But it wasn't until later I found out it was because I was by myself yeah. is why I thought that. But when the world started gut-checking me on some things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Alex, if a, if a third grader was listening to you describe this and they said, broken, you were broken. Do you mean you broke your arm? Like, how would you, how would you articulate the, the your, brokenness? your spiritual brokenness to a third grader? My, my self-image, who I thought I was, uh, it was revealed internally to me I was not that person. So my identity or, or who I thought I was, the picture I had of myself, yeah. was not who I really was truly. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and we use the analogy a lot of times of looking in the mirror and seeing the man in the mirror, right. and that's, that's where it was. I saw that person, and I was like, that is not who this whole time I thought I was or wanted to be. Yeah. 
but that is who I am. So what did you feel? Just just a, an, an intense sadness that for several reasons. I mean, there was time I'd wasted that I could have been investing in my relationship with Christ. There were ways I had treated other people as an arrogant person, relationships that I could have potentially built and possibly people that didn't know Christ that I might have chased away yeah. instead of brought towards yeah. being a light. Yeah. Um, Did you feel sadness toward God? Toward God? like a, I felt regret. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was supposed to be used by God, and then I wanted to do things my way. Yeah. I wanted to do what I wanted to do and yeah. thought because I was had this clean streak that God could still use me, and I was just doing whatever I wanted to, and, and that was good. What comes to my mind is where the Scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Mm-hmm. So would you say that was a moment where the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and convicting you of sin? Absolutely. And, and, I, and you say a moment. For me, it was several moments. Yeah, yeah. Several moments where, I Months, mean, years stacked up on top of each years, other. Years, yes. Yeah. Just just years of, of, of just layer after layer being broken down. I mean, I, between college and, and being married, I spent about eight years single. And so there was a lot of time I got by myself. I got to be alone. I got to learn how to live as a single person. And that is not an easy road when everyone around you, even your own family, they're all getting married, they're all having kids. And you sit there and you're wondering, where did I screw up? Where did I, what did I do to mess this up? Or did, did I miss out on a blessing? Is it something I did? And uh, it got me to a point where I realized I couldn't speed God up. I couldn't slow him down. I couldn't force his hand. Come I couldn't on. make him do what I wanted to Come do. On. The only other place I could turn to was submission. Hmm. And I finally got to a place where, I mean, I can, I can remember vividly in this moment, crying, push mowing my yard. I lived off Ambleside Drive, and I was push mowing my yard. It was Saturday. I was alone. And it was just a, a moment of loneliness, and I was crying. But I can remember, because I would listen to music, and it was uh, Sidewalk Prophets. If there's a road, I should walk. Help me find it. And I thought, man, if this is, if this is where I need to be, Lord, then, then pull, push, drag me, do what you got to do, but don't let me get in the way of myself anymore. I'm tired of, of, of me stopping me from serving you. Uh, and then right after that song came the song, uh, Make Me Broken So I Can Be Whole. And I just started embracing that, that brokenness to a point of, in order for me to be remade, I had to be broken of who I was so I could be who God wanted me to be. And so I started leaning into that, and yeah, it, it, it was hard times, but they were some of the most precious memories I have with with God, just crawling up into His lap and not having to be anything but His. That's amazing. So you're pushing the push mower in yeah. your yard, crying. Yeah. How How old were you then? I was twenty, twenty eight. Okay. And how old were you when you met Nicole? Uh, thirty three. Wow, five years later. It was and. <laughs> There were, there were some significant relationships I had that really exposed. I thought I could withstand certain temptations or certain pressures, like I won't submit to that, and I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was me leaving an open door for Satan to come in. Sure. It was like challenging him. First Corinthians ten twelve says, If any man thinks he stand, yeah. let him take heed lest he fall. Yeah, and yeah. I fell. I fell big time. Yeah. Uh, but I got to a point where I was praying with God. And I was like, man, I, you know, I know I'm lonely. I know these relationships are not working out. It's because I was trying to force it. And I said, I just, I just want to know when will this end? And God said, well, what do you really want to be? Who are you wanting to be like? I said, well, in my heart, I know I need to be more like your son. I need to be like Jesus. And he said, okay. My son went 33 years. <laughs> I said, okay. If that's what it takes, 
then I'll do it. And I and I I still spent that time. I would still try to date and, and work on myself yeah. uh, as being just a good person, just a good man, and, and engaging in relationships, just friendships. Um, and I got married three days before I turned thirty four. <laughs> I got married amazing. on the twenty first, and on the twenty fourth wow, I turned thirty four. That's crazy, man. Where did where'd you meet Nicole? Uh, we we were on a, a dating app called Hinge. Yep. Um, Dad had Titans tickets. We would go to Titans games, and uh, I had my radius expanded out a lot further than Clarksville because uh wasn't really cast that net. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid to reach out there. Um when I want to go to these Titans games, all the girls in Nashville, I'd be inside their radius of where they were searching. My for wife them. had to be sitting on the same pew that I was on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, she did, but that was <laughs> Yeah. But uh but yeah we met we went on a dating app. I I loved her profile, her heart. She was genuine. Uh, and we just started chatting and, uh, she actually, she hit on me first cause she was like, how often do you come down to, to Nashville? I was like, whenever I, I find a, Nicole, a good reason to, she's like, do you think you found a good reason? I was like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I went down there and actually we had our first date and she'll tell you this. She wasn't the only date I had that day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was going to Nashville. So I thought, well, let me go ahead and line a bunch of these up. You're kidding. <laughs> I'm not. Speed dating. I'm not. I did lunch You've with not- one person. Oh and uh, and she was nice. She was a good person. Yeah. And then I had dinner with Nicole. And Nicole, we had dinner. Hey, I, can I just say, like, <laughs> I appreciate this kind of intentional pursuit. Man up. Look yeah. at Like, that. that's a lesson for, for men right there. I hope so. That's good. Okay, keep going. I hope so. It, so takes, what it, it takes what it takes, Fred. That's right. We, <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I was just putting myself out there, not, not afraid to be So re- rejected girl at lunch, chosen girl at dinner. <laughs> Yeah, Nicole and I had dinner, and five hours later, that date ended. We talked yeah. and talked and talked, and I had just made out. So here's another thing. 11 o'clock at oh, night. We never kissed. Oh, sorry. We never kissed. I'm, never... I'm, just, I'm just teasing. It's, it's, I know it's afternoon. Just <laughs> simmer down over sorry, there, Fred. JB. On the other side of this story, I had just started seminary. That was my first semester. Okay, so let's, let's slow down here. So okay. I knew you went to seminary. I did. So I'm catching up. So I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very, a very uh, uh, sequential person. I got yes. questions, too. I know. You're going to you're, go you're more Let circular. Me, I like that. You go ahead. So you went... You went to Murray, you came back, you said somewhere in the state, you finished your engineering degree, and then you started working in Clarksville, apparently. Yes, so I worked for, for DBS and Associates, they're now TTL, yeah. uh, great company, yeah. and uh, was finishing up schooling down at TSU where I could uh, graduate and take the, uh, the Fundamentals of Engineering exam in Tennessee. And uh, an opportunity fell on my lap to go work out of Fort Campbell with Corps of Engineers. Had a couple of guys out there that I knew from church and knew were good, godly men, and, uh, and they mentioned that opportunity to me. So I applied, uh, and got the job. And then I graduated the following year and started working full time out there. So the army Corps of engineers, that's good. And that's how you came back to Clarksville. And that's where you were and where you were on Ambleside pushing your mower. Yes. Yes. I was working there. Uh, and at the time I, had, I was pushing my mower, I'd been to Afghanistan, had to, I got a chance to spend three months working over there. Um, wow. and I'd, I'd got to see the world and know, I started to understand that I enjoyed traveling. I enjoyed meeting new people, experiencing new cultures, and just interacting uh, with with people in general. And uh, so, this was corresponding with also your slow progression of what you quoted as brokenness. And so, yes. this was all coming in together. You yes. travel, you love new kind of cultures. Yes, you know where your heart's coming and where you were and where you where you were not. And so, we find ourselves now at twenty eight, twenty nine years old. Uh, sure, yeah, yep. And then tell us, um, what, tell us what happened. So about, well, about, about 27, 
uh, I started, I changed churches. I started going to, to Lone Oak uh, Baptist Church where David Mackins was the pastor. And I'd known David as uh, my dad grew up with him and I'd known him. I went to the high school with his daughters and uh, I knew I'd, I'd got a taste of missions. I'd gone to Belize a couple of times, and uh, the church I was with before, Salem, they did a lot of good local missions and stuff like that. So I knew I enjoyed it. But, Who and, did you go to Belize with? With Salem? Um, with Salem. Okay. But in my mind, uh, a mission was we go somewhere and we build something. Yeah. Handicap ramps or buildings right. or whatever. And I, and I was good at building, yeah. uh, you know, engineer, yeah. good you know, blocks. So I'd, I loved missions from that side of it. And so when I started going to Lone Oak, I said, hey, Brother David, what, uh, what missions does Lone Oak have? And he said, well, we go to Nicaragua or Guatemala. And he looked at me. He said, uh, we need to get coffee sometime. I need to tell you about India. I said, okay. And so we, we had coffee, and he explained to me about some of the organizations that are over there and some opportunities to go over there. He said, I really think you should go. And I said, Okay. And so we applied for the visa, did all that, went over there the first time. And, uh, you know, they, they bounce around from village to village, and they speak, and they do all this. And he goes, at any time you feel the Lord telling you to speak, you get up there and you speak. And I said, okay. And I, I mean, I... You weren't going to speak. No, no, sir, I was not going to speak. Hands in the pocket, heads and down. And I told him, I was like, if you want me to get up there and say something, I will. I trust you right now. I'm still trying to learn. So did that. Didn't say a word, but there were a couple of things. My eyes were open to some more of the world of how... Uh, the spiritual world, yeah. I should say, how other people live and how spiritual warfare takes place in different cultures. And came home, my eyes were, were really open to a whole lot of different things, the good and the bad, just how how men and women can serve to a capacity where you're just like, I, I don't deserve to be called a Christian. And uh, And then a year later, we got the chance to go back. And this time, David said, I want you to prepare some material. And be ready to speak at, at different places. He said, Over the span of this year, are you walking closely with the Lord? Yes. Are you growing in your faith? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My, my transition yeah. to Lone Oak, I started interacting more with David and, yeah. and some of the, the church leaders there. Yeah. And, uh, and it was great to foster yeah. a lot of those godly men yeah. being in my life, teaching me what a godly man looks awesome. like. Uh, not that my father was not a good yeah. example, but I, I was needing more yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to help with, with, with just whatever it could be. So a year later you go back and he tells you to prep you got, some And you got your script ready. I got my scripts ready. And I've, I've done a couple of retreats and stuff with another pastor that went with us, Simeon Treadway. And there was, there was a, a weekend at a men's retreat before we went there. Simeon was there and they introduced me as Pastor Morris. And I thought, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm just here to talk about this and everything. And one of the guys leaned over to Simeon and said, is he a pastor? And Simeon goes, yeah, he just don't know it yet. <laughs> and I didn't know about this till we went to India, but I went to India, and the very first place we went to started to um, started to speak, started to talk to these guys, um, pulled a lot of material from people like Robert Morse. He had really good series and stuff that made sense, stuff that I could apply personally. And uh, I, I caught Simeon and David locking eyes behind my back at one point, like just smiling and nodding. And I'm like, I don't know what y'all are cooking up, but I wish you'd tell me. And, uh, and then some things started happening on this trip. We were driving between villages, and there's, it wasn't just a passage of Scripture. It was like a whole manuscript over and over and over in my mind. And I shared that with Simeon. He's like, that's pretty cool. He said, let me, let me go grab David real quick. So he brought David in there, and I started sharing that with David. And David pulls out this notebook, an IMB notebook. And he said, I must have packed and unpacked this thing five times. And God kept telling me, you need to bring that. And I said, I didn't know why until now. He 
said, you need to be writing this stuff down. So he handed me that notebook, and I still have that notebook. And that's International Mission Board. Board. That's right. Yeah. And so I started writing this stuff down and just started taking notes, things that came to my heart. And, um, and then we, we came back from India, and he sits me down, and we're having this conversation. He just kind of he stops, and he looks at me. And he's like, the Lord's calling you into ministry. He's calling you to be a pastor. He's like, you need to hear this now. You need to stop delaying this, and you need to start looking at proper education that's going to prepare you for what that could look like. He's like, I can't tell you what that looks like because I don't even know what it looks like for me. <laughs> he said, but you need to do that. And he gave me New Orleans. He said uh, Southern, uh, and I think Liberty were a couple that could fit into uh, that bivocational role that he, he really emphasized that being something that could be uh, more utilized in the future. And he knew that I had a heart for, for being a civil engineer and, and helping people in that way. And it wasn't really something I felt like I needed to give up. And so New Orleans had great programs online, had good variety, um, and, and they really made it possible to get good education through the online avenue. And I started meeting people like Rick Stevens and started to learn how to dissect Scripture beyond what I already knew diving deeper and deeper into that stuff. I find myself reading books and just bawling, crying <laughs> at things that are just being uncovered, like the Holy Spirit's turning on lights and taking the curtains back and showing me all these things. And I'm like, I must have read this 20 times and never got that until now. Praise God. So, um, so you're working at Army U.S. Corps of Engineers. Corps of Engineers. And then you're going to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes. Mostly online, I guess. This was like 2010-ish, 11, 9 this is probably uh, 2018. Okay. Most fall, right. fall of 2019. It was fall of 2019. So this is my, new then? Yes, very new. Oh, okay. First semester, fall of 2019. At this point, I've transitioned from Corps of Engineers to DPW, but I'm still at Fort Campbell doing pretty much the same stuff. So you're already married then? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Not yet. I, I, I decided, I prayed about this, and this was the kicker. I started praying. I was like, Lord, if this is what I'm called to do, be a single man and just be your your instrument, then so be it. I want to submit to that. I want to submit to your will. I want to submit to whatever it is you want for my life, and, and I want to be okay with that. But and Lord, I, take this cup, <laughs> take this cup if you will. And so, please but, don't let me drink this cup. Oh, I was terrified. I know you were. I was like, you're are you sure? The, you're pushing the mower, crowd in your front yard, aren't I? And I, hey, you know, bro, listen. There's this picture of me. We go on our family. Jonathan, how old were you when you got married? I was 32. Hey, see there, this brother understands. I was 25 ish, 24 ish. I don't know, somewhere beyond. I wanted to get married soon, much sooner than I did. There's a picture of me. We went on a family vacation, and Diana was already married to Scott. Christy was dating Bubba, and I was solo. And there's and everybody gets pictures with their significant others, and I just took a picture with my arm around nobody on the bench. <laughs> there's a picture <laughs> like that, you know. I wish, so, I, I wish I could be sad about that. But Okay, all right, so back well, to your story. No, no, no. So, so, okay. you're, yeah. so you've decided in 19, that's just three years ago. Yeah. In 2019, you're going to go to New Orleans Baptist, Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. And so you do it. I do. While you're working. I applied in the spring of 19 because you have to, you felt this petition. There's a church that like says, yes, we affirm this calling in his life. You felt this resume of your life story, your salvation story. You send it off. And I thought, here it is. I'm going to tell them everything about me, the good, the bad, and the <laughs> ugly, and they'll never let me in. <laughs> and I really thought that was it. I really thought I'll do it just to say I've done it, but you know, the door's closed and they let me in. I was like, I don't know what is going on, Yeah, but I got in. And so I spent yeah. one semester uh, at, 
at New Orleans, and it was in between semesters when I met Nicole. When you're speed dating. Well, yeah, sure. Speed dating. Heck yes, speed dating. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just repeating what my pastor said. That's all. They all lived in the Nashville, though, so it was a lot of a lot of mileage, um, <laughs> but well worth it. Uh, but yeah, so I met Nicole, and we talked for five hours, and it was, I mean, she, I was like, any questions you got? I said we played this game. I said I ask you a question, but I have to be willing to answer the same question. I said you can ask me anything, but you have to be willing to answer it yourself too. How long did you guys talk online before you dated? Uh, a couple of weeks, up. couple just just a couple of weeks, couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she her profile picture was her in this beautiful uh, velvet black dress yeah. in front of a Christmas tree, and I'm I, I love Christmas. Yeah, man, I really do. And I was like, <laughs> she is just absolutely gorgeous. Okay, so you did you talk on the phone? No, you just you just messaged. Mm-hmm. You didn't even talk on the phone. Mm-mm. You didn't know what her voice sounded nope. like. You had one picture or whatever. I had a couple, but couple yeah, on I, the profile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 the first date, I, I parked strategically. <laughs> Uh, away from, yeah. it was at the yeah. 10 Angel. It's no longer there now. We were really sad about that, but it's 10 Angel. I had to park a little bit away because it's street park. And I was like, I'm not going to take this like prime spot. I'm going to park over here. If she parks here, then I can walk with her, make yeah. sure she's taken care of. Look at you. No, she got the prime spot and she's there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like a quarter mile away. So I start running. So I'm like, I got I to gotta hurry up to make the date. And I walk in, and I see the back of this one person. That's hilarious. Oh, no, this is not going anywhere. No, this, this, is, is this not whole going thing is hilarious. Good. You were running. This is I was, hilarious. I was running, but I, at the time, I was in a little better shape, too. Yeah. Shake uh, it off. Shake it off. Yeah. But I saw the back of this one person. I'm like, that can't be her. Uh, just a, a very beautiful-looking woman. And then I turned to the the steward or the hostess, and I was like, hey, I'm supposed to be meeting someone here. And she turns around. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was blown away just how beautiful she was in person. And I was, like, taken back of, like, you know who what I look like, right? Like you've seen pictures of me. I don't, I, and I'm not good at Photoshop or anything. So this is it. And she, we we sat down. We we had dinner. We went to no bake cookie dough, and just all these questions, uh, biblical questions, where I stood on certain things, like theological stuff. So five hours later, you five leave this later. date, and what were you thinking? I thought, I, you know, I've got no idea where this is going. Yeah. But I, I was just, you know, excited. If Nicole was here, what would she say she was thinking? She called her dad. And? And uh, told her dad about the date. And her dad and told him some of the questions she'd asked. And her dad's like, oh, I bet that was a good answer, wasn't it? And she's like, no, actually, he, he answered it very well. Like, we're, we're in the same heart. Yes. And, uh, and it was later I, I started telling people what I, what I believed happened on that date, that Jesus in me okay. loved the Jesus in her. And that's what was talking. So the next day, I had to get on a plane to go to Kansas City for three weeks. You're so in love with this, your wife. I love it. For training, I am. And I and so I, we had three weeks where we couldn't even interact. So I thought, this is perfect. We've met. There's chemistry. That's great. We get to spend three weeks just talking. Nothing else. Nothing else could interfere. No, no physical boundaries need to be explored or anything. Like we can just talk and get to know each other, and that's exactly what we did. And it was the first week. So we're in January, and the Valentine's Day stuff's out at Walmart. And I don't know why, but to this day, my heart's just like, I want to get her a Valentine. And I started messaging all these other girls that I had had dates with. I'm like, you know what? I've met someone. And I want to pursue it. I want to see where it goes. And I want to be straight with you. I want to be honest with you. I don't want to lead you on to anything. Praying that you find someone that treats you the way you deserve to be treated. Thanks for the prayer, Alex. I've I've received a few of those texts. Thanks for the prayer, Alex. But I've got to to see where this goes. Keep me on your prayer list. (laughs) And I texted her and told her. I was like, look, 
I'm not saying you have to do this, but me, I'm, I'm got, I've got to see where this goes. I just dumped them all. I'm pursuing you alone. And she reacted the opposite way. She signed up for eHarmony. <laughs> yes. And started talking to another guy on eHarmony because yes. she was running from it. And it, was, it wasn't long after she talking to the guy on eHarmony. She's like, what am I doing? Like, this guy's not it. Yeah. So she canceled that. And we did. We spent three weeks. And this yeah. is – so first off, it's Super Bowl time, playoff time. Kansas City, they're winning. They go all the way to the AFC Championship. This town is going nuts. They're dying uh, fountains red, and then the fountains are freezing because it's Kansas City in the middle of winter. Where you were. Yes. Yeah, you were in three weeks. And all yeah. the guys that I was with on train, they're like, where are you at? We're at the bar yeah, watching yeah, the game. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm talking to this girl. Yeah. yeah. I was missing playoff games. Yeah. And all this stuff because I wanted to talk to how, her. How long after that Kansas trip were you married? That September. So Kansas in what month? Kansas months. in January. We're engaged by Easter and married by September. Bam! And, and so your wedding date is? September 21st, 2020. 20, 20, thank you. 19, hey, listen, no, COVID was a time warp for all of us. No, it was 19. It was 19. 19. You're right. Yeah. You better get it right. You're right. It's 19. Yeah. You, Nicole. September. Nicole. Sorry. Phone a friend, Alex. It was 19. It was 19. Y'all are messing with me now. No, it was 19. So, yeah, back everything this up This is too year. easy today, Fred. So, it was 18. Yes. <laughs> Start recording the podcast. Sorry, I was a year off on the whole story until now. It was 2019, yes. 2019. So, you married Nicole in 2019. And Nicole. you were going to the seminary. And I was and in the middle of seminary. you were working. Yes. And All right, so fast forward. You've graduated seminary. Graduated seminary a year ago. With your master's of? Pastoral ministry. Was it master's of divinity? MDiv or Master of Arts? No, it was Master's the, of Arts. Master's and, of Arts and, yeah, and Pastoral Ministry. Pastoral Ministry, congratulations. Yes. Thank you, thank you. And uh, and then you changed jobs recently. Did. Uh, Tell us about that. So I uh, started feeling this like this stagnant feeling out at Fort Campbell. Uh, and not that it's not a great place or anything like that, but it was just there was something more. Wasn't sure what. And I interacted with the new highway uh, supervisor. I went to high school with him. We were at some central football games. And uh, he was like, you should come work for me. And I thought it was kind of like a joke. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, but, you know, I'm not driving a truck. And he's like, no, 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 we're, we've got a civil engineering position. And so we started talking more about that. And I was like, you know, let's, let's try it. Let's see what happens. I prayed about it. And uh, my wife, she was like, you should do it. I was like, really? Like two days later, she's like, I think you should do it. So I'm like, okay. So I did it. And it has been one of the best decisions career-wise. It's just, it just fits me. Tell us, in, tell us in a sentence what you do there. Well, before that, Montgomery County Highway Department. Is that who you're employed Correct, with? yes. Montgomery County Highway Department. Montgomery County Highway Department. Uh, in one sentence, I serve the people the best I can by providing well-paved and transportable roads and drainage ditches. So do you Amazing. design the roads or do you oversee the construction and maintenance of the roads? A little bit of both. I got it. It D- depends on the scope. We've, we've got a project right now at Hogan Road where we're extending the existing road around to give road frontage to a property. Uh, but I'm also on the board that oversees like our state projects where we're interacting with state highways uh, for intersections and things like that or road widenings. So where the state meets mm-hmm. the county. Yes. Y'all work together. We do. Yes. And tell us what Nicole does. Nicole is the admin for the fire department, Clarksville Firefighter. Uh, fire department, and she is also on the board of Firefighters Foundation. They started one recently, and so she cool. she came from uh, Scarrett Bennett Center where she was doing events. And when we got married, she moved up here, and there for a while she was real tense about jobs. I'm like, don't be tense. Like we're we're good. We're blessed. Take your time. And she got this job, and she got this job <laughs> right when we got back from a trip, and then COVID hit like a week later. 
COVID became a thing. Yeah. But she landed this job. I was like, this is a great job. And it has been a great job. She has loved it. They take great care of her. Um, and She's I killing it. Oh, yeah. Getting promoted and she, everything. She's been promoted, I think, twice already. Um, and she's just picking up on it and running with it. And that's the city of Clarksville? Correct. So you work for the county. You work, she works for the city. There you go, folks. Yeah, she's from California and grew up in a winery. How cool is that? Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. So we should track, have had her on here. Track Nicole down and <laughs> ask her about that. That's cool. All right. So you got to preach uh, on um, you got to preach on Sunday. Um, we've brought you on in a, as a missions pastor role, not because you're a missions expert, mm. but because we're a new church and God's hand is on you, his call is on you, and we need pastors to help carry the load. Amen. You're gifted in administration. Your spiritual formation is is passionate for the for missions. So we're excited about you leading our church to mobilize to the nations. So thank you for stepping into so that So he role. can he can build roads to the nations. Hey, you're so cheesy, Jonathan. All right. So DJ Daniel Cox is even it. harassing you behind your back over there. Uh, um, okay, so we're going to come back and dig into the sermon right after this. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? You know, ministry takes money, and when you give, God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. All right, Alex, that was great. Um, that so was great. It was great. I've hung out a lot with you, Alex, and there was a lot of stuff there. I haven't hung out with Alex at all. And I was, usually play 20 questions with every new friend, like, <laughs> you know, rapid fire as fast as I can. But there was some good stuff in there that I hadn't done. I was just out hoping yet. you'd make them cry and you didn't make them cry. You made me cry. All right. Um, <laughs> Easy to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably someday. Shake it off. I'm sorry, man. You hey, have to stare at you all day. I, no, listen. Uh, yes. Hey, yeah. you know I love your tender heart. I wish I cried more. You should. All right, Alex. You know the bad thing about you know the bad thing about being an Enneagram seven? Oh my gosh. This is why it was necessary that I was in ICU, okay? Is the Enneagram seven, which is my personality, you you tend to comfort people with jokes. <laughs> Did you, did, like, did you know that about? I didn't, see, you, like, I didn't understand that. Jokes. It, I yeah, thought you'd been serious this whole time. Which I, <laughs> I'm, I'm innate, and I don't think we you know, comfort no, you, people no, you at all. You don't joke at all. No. Do you laugh even? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Enneagram Seven. So, uh, you know, like, gosh, I needed to suffer so I didn't comfort people with jokes. But well, please I'm, forgive me I'm for the sorry sarcasm. that you suffered. But all right, Alex, great story. <clears throat> Appreciate you being so real. Uh, and transparent about your brokenness. Can I segue now? Your brokenness. So um, I sat on the third row to the left, uh, stage right, whatever, I don't know, the left side as you walk in, 
I didn't sit on the second row because Freddie on Easter, he said, sit as close as you can to save room in the back. And I sat on the second row on the side and that, uh, that monitor almost made me deaf. So, uh, I sat on the, th- that's where you were sitting. By yes. Right? That's where I was. Sitting. So I sat the third get, get row back. Old, get old, can you turn What'd you say? I can't down, hear you. So, uh, Alex, I thought you did a great job. I, after the second service, I saw you. And do you Thank remember you. what I said to you? I said, I wish you, he doesn't remember because he was still in a state, hang of, on, euf- hang on. Do you remember? state of euphoria. He wished I'd have thrown a softball. A little bit more of a softball. We don't have to go straight to Carrier Cross. We could have started maybe with, I said, maybe Daniel 7, Son of Man, you know. Maybe a little easier. Maybe a little Noah. Are you talking or, about for your community group discussion? Is that what no, you mean? No, I'm talking about the sermon that he did. Oh, gotcha. So he came in strong yeah. on carrying or picking up a cross. And I was like, wow, that's great. And he started off great. I thought you had a great hook. Did you, I don't know if you heard I it. I listened to the second service, so, okay, the one did, that we podcasted. Didn't didn't listen to the second service. Um, so, yeah, I had a great hook with your symbols. My little mm-hmm. girl, you always talk about, you know, in, in doing Speak a sermon. to that 13-year-old boy you, right there, yeah. Yeah, so my little girl who is eight, just when you said old, Christmas tree, grader, and you're talking about Easter grader. Bunny, and yeah. uh, or eggs, you're talking about Easter Bunny. I mean, she was like totally, I was watching her, she was totally engaged. Awesome. Um, and then you talked about like dying and picking up the cross, and she left, you lost her. But anyway, yeah. so that's a joke, Fred. Uh, so <laughs> really enjoyed it. Why did you pick that? I mean, it's your, your first one out of the box in real life. Yeah. And you you, you hit that one. Why? So Several reasons. Uh, I had just preached... A, a very, very similar version of that sermon at Hopkinsville the Sunday prior. And I thought it was fitting, coming out of that Easter season, we often see the cross as a symbol where Jesus bled and died and gave his life for us and all that, and that's great. But yes, it's great. But there's a lot of people that they still see Jesus on the cross, and he's not yeah. there anymore. He is The cross is empty. He's, right. he's alive. That's right. And that's a thing of the past, but it's important to remember that. But it also has a personal meaning. And coming out of that season where Jesus gave us the example he gave us of him taking up his own cross and following after his Father's heart and doing what he did for us, I think it's fitting that right after he's, he's ascended from the dead, he sits at the right hand of the Father. That's what we're called to do, is now following the example he's given us. And coming out of that Easter season, it seemed, seemed pretty appropriate. Uh, also, Freddie... Made me aware that I would have the opportunity to preach on Wednesday, which is a very short time frame for me to <laughs> prep a, a new sermon. So I had to pull an oldie. And he's an engineer. I don't want him to overthink it. With with it being my first one, I wanted I wanted something solid. I wanted something that was just it was a, a, a time timeless truth of God's word that is just rock solid. You can stand on it all day. It is firm foundation. And this is and this is just where where I got to. Yeah, he he tells me like Sunday or Monday before makes me sweat all week. <laughs> you you give him me, Wednesday. You ask yeah. You ask me to tell you the day before, which I would is take it. half ridiculous. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Pastor calling but me ridiculous. One of the no, one of the one of the best sermons I ever preached, my pastor in college asked me to on Friday to preach on Sunday night. And, you know, if you're walking with the Lord mm-hmm. and you're called to ministry you're going to have a burden on your heart. Like you're just going to have a burden on your yeah. heart. And, um, and, and the shorter the window is, the more desperately dependent you have to be on the Lord. Yes. And then not overthink it, you know? And, and so sometimes the longer you have to prepare a message, the more um, 
convoluted. Sometimes you're, you get in the way sometimes yeah, when you have too much to think about right, it because right. you want to be too clever, as you reminded me that's last right, week. That's right. So, yeah, we talked about last week on the podcast that when you're reading God, you went through how you prepare for a sermon, Fred. Yeah. We talked about how when you read God's Word, you should always be preparing in your mind that you're preaching to yourself. And so, got why you did it. Mm-hmm. Just if you were like, oh, I've said a lot of stuff. I just hope they heard this. What would that have been, Alex? I, did, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, but it, it would be the value of a soul. The value of, of, of souls that are here on this earth now, they have an eternal destiny in some place, either heaven or hell. We are given this great responsibility and this great honor to represent Jesus Christ to those souls as to what he's done for our soul. And when Jesus makes that comparison at the end of uh, what does it mean if you gain the whole world but lose your soul, everything in this world added up still does not equate to the value of one individual. And that's why Jesus did what he did was for us. But I've heard a pastor say before, even if everyone else got it right and I was still the only one that couldn't get it right, he still would have done what he did. If it was just for me, he still would have done it. So that's the example that we we are given, but that's the purpose behind why we do it. It's not to gain salvation or to earn that salvation. It's out of a result of receiving that gift of salvation that we want to reach others because someone took the time to share it with us. So, Fred, I'm 50 in in six weeks, and uh, I've been studying God's Word for a long time, and um, I have probably read the Scripture plenty of times, and I have probably taught on this Scripture more times than I wanted to. And so for those that want to be encouraged— that were at church on Sunday and heard this scripture. This is one of, to me, a meteor scriptures because it calls for a lot of commitment. And so if you read the scripture after Alex presented it, maybe Sunday night, maybe Monday, and you asked your question, you asked the question, as I did at community group, as another community group person did, I just asked the question, so what does that mean? What does it mean to carry your cross? I mean, I've taught this, folks. And so someone raised, I said, does anybody else have the same questions? I, I don't really know what that means. I'm not asking you to answer it today. Okay. And that may be a little <laughs> bit meaty to maybe talk about podcast. So what we try to do for 40 minutes <clears throat> at the bowling lounge at 10 o'clock in our community group on Sunday was what, <laughs> unfortunately, we answered more what it wasn't, I think, than what it was. And so I'm not putting either one of you guys on the spot. Uh, DJ Daniel doesn't have a mic in front of him. So I can tell you what we came up with, but it's just interesting when he said, and I don't have the scripture in front of me. I can't believe I don't have it in front of me. But when he says that you must pick up your cross mm-hmm. and follow him, mm-hmm. what does that mean? You said earlier, I love, Freddie, how you dig down. He said you're broken. Tell me what a third grader mm-hmm. means when you say you're broken. Did you break mm-hmm. your arm? Did you break your leg? Did you break your head? When, when Jesus says... I don't know. This is probably too meaty. Sorry, I jumped. I, on this. Hey, man, I I got a handle for you right now. Okay, so Fred, let me hear it. Well, what was Jesus's relationship to his cross? What was his relationship to his cross? Something, something the day before, or two days before, or three days before, two days before, that he, that he, did not want. Yeah. To endure. That's right. He was in the Garden of the Gethsemane. That's right. And he, and he said, please, God, let this pass away or pass before, whatever it said. So go ahead. 
That was my interesting no, question. That's it. In 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 Jesus's um, Jesus, part of Jesus did not want to endure the cross, mm-hmm. and he asked the Father, "If there's any other way, please remove it." And and Jesus set his will aside, set his preference aside, set his wish and want aside, and embraced the Father's wish and want, and and did it in such a way with such a faith that the author of Hebrews said that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus was able to make this powerful pivot of denying his self, and Alex really hammered this in a powerful way in his message, denying his self and embracing the heart of the Father. But in doing it, he did, you know, there's a sense in which he didn't do it going, I mean, he didn't do it going kicking and screaming. He humbly and in anguish cried out to the Father, if there's any other way. He was keeping it real with the Father. Uh, but but then in faith, in the Father's good plan, he he embraces his cross. And so I think that, what you, you said, what does that mean? Well, that means a million things in our lifetime, Right. Can we ask about what it does at me? So you said Hebrews 12, T.J. Lusk in my community group, um, not my community group, our community group, he, he brought out Hebrews 12 immediately. That's and awesome. right where you stopped, it yeah. says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. God took on, and I was going to ask you earlier in, your, in, in, in what you were describing with your, your life, Alex, that when you were crying behind the lawnmower, a lot of times what I've done when I've done a lot of crying, you say I feel deeply, it's usually about shame, shame and guilt, and guilt being rightfully feeling bad, shame sometimes shaming ourselves. And so in community group, what I wanted to say was what the cross I don't think is, when he says take up your cross, mm-hmm. deny yourself, take up your cross, what I don't think it is, you think about maybe the monks back in the day, they had the, the whip and they take off their, and they yeah. whip themselves. Well, I don't think that's taking up their cross. Right. I think that's them trying to participate in the work that God did for our salvation, that when we're trying to control that we feel bad about ourselves. So a lot of times we take the emotional whip of shame and we beat ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, look who I am. You talked about this a little bit. You weren't alone. We all have done it. We beat ourselves. That I don't believe. I do not believe that is what he means when he's taking up a cross. Absolutely. So if you're beating yourself up, don't think that you're picking up your cross and walking around feel good for yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's not what it is. That's right. If you have a malady, you brought this up, Alex. I thought it was great. If you have a sickness or you have something that's really, really, really problematic for you, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12. He had a thorn in the flesh, as he calls it. That's the, that's the Sunday sermon. I know. Yeah. And so, <laughs> no, no. That, to me... It's not necessarily taking up his cross. Right. It can morph into that. But because you have a sickness or because you have a sadness or because someone broke up with you, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily taking up your cross. Well, I, that, I really, go ahead. John. No, 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 that, I was just going to say, so let's be careful about what the cross yeah. is not. So sometimes the deceiver, we call him devil or Satan, it's kind of scary, but his job is to accuse us shamefully yep. and to deceive us. And the great deceiver is going to do everything he can at this powerful scripture that you brought gratefully, Alex, to say, oh, 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 if you do that, then you're really taking up your cross. So you just keep doing that. Put your pacifier in your mouth. You keep doing that, and you're taking up your cross. When it's not, 
taking mm-hmm. up your cross. Paul, Paul writes in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, in order to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, Paul wasn't just saying just just word, just just lip service the words. He was saying, no, if you if you confess that Jesus is Lord, like in your heart, like so translation, I am not Lord. The, the, the first paper that I wrote in seminary, I answered the question. I may have talked about this on the podcast before. What is repentance unto salvation? And I basically argued in that paper that repentance unto salvation, in other words, what must I repent of in order to be saved? Because Jesus said, unless you repent, you likewise will perish. So what must we repent of? Well, we must repent of whatever the Lord of our life is and take Jesus as our Lord. So I think I think Jesus' teaching that Alex unpacked for us Sunday has that micro, I mean that macro meaning, and then million micro meanings, right? So it's like the macro of, well, there has to be a moment in time. There has to be a moment where you take up your own cross. And and that's a repenting of whatever the Lord of your life is. You let that go and you you take up your cross, which is taking Jesus as as the Lord of your life. And then, and then a lifetime of m- many crosses. Mm. Let, let me, let me just listen. Alex is demonstrating great restraint over there. As no, we I want him to talk. I, I'll just watch and see if he's ready. I always look for gestures like in community group. So I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. So if I'm listening to this today and maybe I'm a new believer or maybe I'm not a new believer, but let's say I'm a new believer and I run across this first yeah. and I'm like, well, I know what those folks in India are doing and man, that, you know, getting beheaded and all that stuff. That's, but I, I mean, I, I just, what would this mean for me today? If I was denying myself, and te- what is the core? What does the core of that mean? And, and where I take it is that we want to trust in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Alex said this so yeah. beautifully. Yeah. That you said what's broken mean. I didn't interrupt then. But you said, what does that mean to a third grader? Or a third grader? And what I heard you say was, you said it beautifully, Alex. I saw myself as one way in my mind. But then I realized spiritually who I really was. And that's the breaking of pride. That's the breaking of self-image. That's the breaking of everything that you have created Alex Morris or Jonathan Vincent to be. Mm-hmm. And when we can do that, the world would say that's being weak. But when you break yourself of what you have, quote-unquote, created yourself to be, when you are at your earthly and physical weakness— I don't want to steal your thunder in 2 Corinthians 12, but man, that is when God will pour in yeah. to mm-hmm. everything that's that right. he is. Yeah. And when you can break yourself, that's when you're saying, I'm going to submit to one Lord, not to one billion lords. Yeah. And I'm going to break everything that I am. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is in order to come to, in order to come to Jesus, your pride has to be crushed. Right. And, and so in taking up your cross, you're dying to yourself, you're you're taking your cross, which is a a symbol of death, and and you're 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 dying to the hope of you saving yourself. I think part of the beauty is it's so full with meaning, though, right? You're 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 also dying to the power of sin, you know, in your life, like right? You you die die to trusting in yourself. And by the power of the Spirit of God, you're dying to the power of sin in your life. Uh, Jonathan, you were talking about 
I read something this morning that I sent to a friend out of um, Brennan Manning's book called Abba's Child. And I was thinking about you the whole time I was reading it because I just thought this would speak to Jonathan so powerfully. Listen to this. Christians who remain in hiding continue to live the lie. We deny the reality of our own sin. In a futile attempt to erase our past, we deprive the community of our healing gift. If we conceal our wounds out of fear and shame, our inner darkness can neither be illuminated nor become a light for others. We cling to, in this this part in particular, we cling to our bad feelings and beat ourselves with the past when we should let... when what we should do is let it go. As Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, guilt is an idol. But when we dare to live as forgiven men and women, we join the wounded healers and draw closer to Jesus. Oh, that's that's slowing me down, man, and like just saying, hey, would you be still and let the Lord love you a little bit? It just spoke to me on a profound level this morning. So I think if you look at the the full meta narrative of the scriptures from the very beginning when God created us, He created us very good. He created us relationally, as you've talked about plenty of times, Fred, wow. for, for a man and woman to be together. But at the end of the day, He created us with an innate desire to want to need and be with Him. Yeah. And I think what we are trying to do, and you look at any story from Genesis 3 on, all we're trying to do is do anything we can but to depend on Jesus or depend on God alone. And so when I hear take up your cross, I don't know, it's just a lot. There's a lot of suffering in that. You know, 2 Peter comes with that. There's just lots of that. And so I think that's part of it. But I think at its very core, it just means get out of the way, quit being somebody you're not, because God created you to be His and to do what he is doing, not what you want to do. And I don't know where you can make that more specific. Like you said, there's a million different things you could do to take up your cross. But let's not hide behind the fallacy that you continue to whip yourself. It's kind of what you just read, Fred. Can't whip yourself over and over with shame and guilt and think that that's taking up your cross. That's not it. No, it's not. but, But sometimes serving your family when you're exhausted, it's painful. Uh, it's hard. That's a cross. You know, that's Jesus did not want to bear his cross, but he knew it was going to secure great good. And he, and he endured. So, so for me, gosh, I mean, almost every day, I feel like there's a dozen opportunities for me to choose to take up my cross. Uh, and it's... <laughs> the Army Corps of Engineers, I imagine, was a great job for Alex. And he was sitting there wide open in his mind saying, God, if you want me to pivot to go get my seminary degree, which he didn't have to, spend money doing it, a lot of time, efforts, yeah. a lot of study. Yeah. Yeah. And spending away from maybe, <laughs> maybe my, my wife. That is understanding with vision, spiritual vision, understanding what God is doing and God is working, where God wants us to join him. And that's what you did, brother. That's picking up your cross. Just because you're not getting whipped because you're getting beaten. That may very well mean picking up your cross. The poison snakes, brother, that story you told, I mean, brought me to tears almost. So let me ask you, podcast listeners, let's just dive in. I want you to reflect on... Hey, look, before we do this, Alex, yes, 
what would you just add? Is there an exclamation point you want to just... We just battered <laughs> your sermon, by the way. So, no, is no, there no, an clear exclamation point? Is there... <laughs> you, I mean, y'all brought up a really good point that it can mean a lot of things. And I, and I touch on this. To carry one's cross or to take up one's cross will look different for almost every believer. As, as, as unique as we are in identity, it will, your cross will look different. But the willingness of heart is what is the same. Yeah, so that's good. The willingness to do what Jesus was willing to do, what his disciples were willing to do. You know, Jesus, it was death. It was martyrdom for the disciples. For for pastors in India, it could be beatings. It could be uh, death. Here, could be name-calling. Yeah. Could be rejection. Could be despising. It, it, it could look a million different ways, but we are still willing to endure whatever that is for the sake of Christ. Yeah, so podcast nation, listeners, what is that one thing that's really difficult for you to do today that you sense, you maybe know with deep conviction that the Holy Spirit is leading you to. Um, We want you to know that great promise that Alex preached on is if you lose your life, you find it. So your willingness to take up your cross today is met with great reward from the Father. So be motivated by the promise. Be motivated by the reward whether it's walking across uh, the lobby in your workplace and inviting somebody to church, where, whether it's being really, really patient with that elderly parent who, and you just, <laughs> just driving you crazy, whether it's, whether it's, you know, with a rebellious kid that you've got and loving them patiently and forgivingly. Well, like what, what is that, what is that one area that God is leading you to, 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 to take up your cross in. We want to let you know we're praying for you today. We're, we're encouraging you today. Alex, thanks for the word Sunday, man. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. JV. What else we got, Fred? Man, I'm looking forward to a great week. Mother's Day, this Sunday. I look forward to the sermon. You you teed me in. You cued me oh. in. Not teed me in. Cued me in a little bit. I'm looking forward to it. The Lord opened it up strength. Monday morning for me. I'm so fired up to preach Mother's Day. Mother's Day is the third highest attended Sunday on the calendar year, typically. You got Easter, Christmas, and Mother's Day. And uh, so, man, invite invite your friends and bring your mama and bring your grandmama and bring your Bible and bring your heart. It's gonna and, be- and bring your child or baby to dedicate them. That's right. Child it's not too late. Yes. It's not too late. Text mission to 97,000. Unless you're right listening now. to this on Saturday night, and then it's probably too late. It, it could, no, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get, we'll get you Show up with your baby or child. We're, we're doing dedicated. baby dedication this Sunday in both services. That's right. And uh, that's just a special time for parents to say, church, we need your help as we raise our kids in the admonition of the Lord. And would you pray for us? And, you know, and they get to celebrate the gift that God's given them, the little, little tykes. Uh, I did it twice. I will tell you, I don't like being on the stage, and I did it at a previous church, and I still remember that very nervous moment, and it it, it reminds me of my commitment to my child Amen. or to my children um, since that day. And then also, we have summer teaching series. So another thing we can commit to, I've told community group, we've talked to my podcast, we've got seven or eight or nine different teachers that are pouring into God's Word, into commentaries, into study, to prepare either or three, six, four, six, eight weeks, whatever. Emily Ellis called me yesterday from Florida. Yes. She's coming back up. She said, Have I got anybody signed up for my Bible study yet? And I said, Well, I don't know, but we're gonna be we're gonna be promoting it. So she's doing a, a study called Jesus and Women. And I think it's a daytime study. And uh so yeah, check it out. Text commit, mission. commit, commit. You you're gonna miss a week. It's okay. Or you may miss two weeks. Commit to it now. Don't wait, because if you wait till June or July. 
You'll find some reason not to do it. That's a good word, JV. Commit, that's sign right. up today. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you won't regret it. You'll grow in your relationship with the Lord, and you'll get connected to, to life-giving relationships in real life. That's good. Alex, any last words, brother? This has been so fun getting to know you, talking about the sermon that you gave us on Sunday. Yeah, I'm just uh, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, I just I'm, can't tell you how excited me and my wife are to be a part of Real Life uh, and to come alongside them uh, in this season. It's a really exciting season. Uh, as we see, Real Life's already multiplying uh, in several states now. So uh, let's not stop there. Let's keep going, uh, right. all for the sake of the kingdom. And you're leading a group to, to London in July. We may hit on that again on another podcast. And Fill out the interest form right now. Do you, what, do you know the day of your interest meeting? Uh, May 11th, we are having a meeting, uh, and I believe there's a, a link to that when you do the mission to 97,000 yep. and on the website. Uh, I'm, I'm still collecting some data, but we'll go over the game plan, go over what you need to be prepared for. Approximately um, how much are we thinking this trip's going to cost an individual? Right right around 3000 okay, right now, okay. and that's flights, and, and hotel's pretty stable. The flights are what's going to be fluctuating. Yep. If you want to go on this trip and you need some financial assistance, let us know. Shoot us a line. Don't be too prideful to ask for help, yeah. right? And yes, that's exactly yeah. what I meant by what I just said. Uh, don't be too prideful to ask for help. We would love for you to be mobilized with Alex and Nicole as they lead a team to London. Yes. And don't feel like you have to do this one right now because if this goes the way I hope it does, we're going to do this again. Yeah. Because these yeah. people are still going to be boots on the ground, still working over that's there. Right. So this is not a one and done thing. We're going to continue to foster these relationships. So there'll be other opportunities. That's good. So, Yeah. Good, JV. Anything else, brother? Keep won't it you, real. Won't you, oh, you want to keep it real? Oh, let's pray. Let's close out, please. Yeah. Father, in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit, O oh Lord, your faithfulness is more faithful than the rising of the sun and the setting of the same. We give you praise today for the glorious God you are. Yes. Um, Father, you are unspeakably good, robed in majesty, clothed in glory. Uh, Lord, your throne is on high and yet you became a man in your son, Jesus. Oh, God, we will never get over your great grace. Thank you for your presence in our lives through your spirit. Encourage the podcast listeners today. We eagerly look forward to this Lord's Day, worshiping you with God's people, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus, Fred. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.